Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest today is an actor, comedian, storyteller, and basically an all-around badass chick. Please give a warm, sarcastic welcome to Carolyn Martin. Hi. Thanks for joining me. Glad you had me. I know that you're busy with, you know, doing the U-Haul boxes and stuff, so I appreciate you taking the time out. Moving to the south. Moving to the south, yeah. Yeah, I'm here. I did it. You made it. I know. They let you in. Everything's unpacked with seven boxes. Wow, that's impressive. I know. I know. I'm excited. Did you only bring eight boxes? Is that... (laughs) Uh, Seven and a half. (laughs) (laughs) The half was the McDonald's in my car. Well, that's important. (laughs) So in my research to find out who you were, uh, there was one thing that I watched. It was the um, the Love Horrors quarantine episode that you filmed. Do you remember? Right. Doing, do you remember doing that? I was there. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. And one of your quotes that like really struck me as really very funny was, "Even my imaginary friends are social distancing." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had imaginary <laughs> friends growing up, so I can totally relate to the imaginary friend thing. And I could, I, it just made me so sad when I heard you say that because, you know, if we don't have our imaginary friends, what do we have? Yeah. The first couple of months of quarantine, I was getting really weird. Yeah. I it could, was great. I could see the trend slowly. Yeah. It was weird. I went, uh, I went from like, an up-and-coming comedian doing really good for only doing it as long as I, I had been to, like, uh, a plateau of comedies over <laughs> to, uh, you know what? If I just show my butt on Instagram, people will like me. That's all you got to <laughs> yeah. do. All like, hail social media. And <laughs> luckily, that was a short-lived phase, and then I had self-worth again, and so now I'm over that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say, there's YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and, you know, Facebook. They always yeah. lift you up when you're, like, in the dumps, right? No, they just bring me further into the dumps. I was going to say, because they put you there in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually, I don't, if you stalked me, then you know I've been off of social media mm-hmm. for, like, a while. And yeah. I put, like, that little thing that was, like, unplug, see you later. And I think that was like the August. And you know what's weird is I like myself again. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. It's crazy. <laughs> and and nobody has like manually liked anything I've done. <laughs> and I like me. So who knew? <laughs> <laughs> so what possessed you to become a comedian in the first place? It was really weird. It was like a couple different things. So I was uh, married for 13 years. And I was, like, this frumpy housewife that was just, like, sad and had no social interaction and um, was just, like, at home all the time. And then I started listening to podcasts, tons of them. Uh, Tim Ferriss, Chase Jarvis, Joe Rogan, like, all these different podcasts. And they just totally changed my way of not only thinking but the way I viewed myself. Hmm. And then I started doing jujitsu because Joe Rogan, you know. And then, uh, and then there was like people around that were like, you know what? You're like really funny. 
And then I had this group of friends and they were like wine moms, you know, wine moms. Wine moms? Like W-H-I-N-E or W-I-N-E? W-I-N-E. Like (laughs) wine moms? Like the cool group. Okay. Yeah. With the blonde, you know, the whole like thing. And uh, I went to a birthday, a kid's birthday party and I was like, please let me get hit by a bus on the way. (laughs) And they were actually nice and really funny. And then they were like, we should all do like a wine mom open mic uh, thing in Rockland at Blacktop Comedy and I was like these ladies are crazy but that's been on my bucket list forever and so I just went after the jujitsu thing and I was like super sweaty and gross and we showed up staggered and um, we were all supposed to sign up as we got there and they get super hammered uh, Becky Lynn is last to go up she crushes and then they're like, we have one more open micer on the list, first timer, and none of those women signed up. Oh, no. <laughs> except for me. It was a setup to get me to do it because they thought I should do it. Ah. And then it went terrible now that I look back on it. But that night I was, you know, Radio City Musical, my woman. <laughs> And I got off the stage and a comic named Al Schumann was like, was that really your first time? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you should come back. And then I waited a couple weeks and I kept coming back and I kept coming back. And then I kept getting more addicted and more addicted and more addicted. And then it was like, then I got booked on a show and then I got booked on a couple of shows and then I got to host a show. And it was just like these little teeny tiny movements. And I'm still a garbage comic, but little tiny movements. So what is a garbage comic exactly? Just not not a pro. Not yet. Not really. Not refined. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I make a lot of rookie mistakes, but COVID's been a blessing <laughs> for me and comedy, kind of. Right. Because I got to really visit who I want to be in comedy, not who the mentors or people around me think thought I should be right I got a little separation out out of that world and got to really write and I met somebody in COVID which is crazy that is crazy I don't think you're supposed to be doing that well you know yeah it's pretty serious I mean we both brought our own ventilators just in case that's good (laughs) (laughs) that says something about you know a guy that brings his own ventilator on a first date right He's super sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. So what is your process for writing jokes? Like, where do you get your material? Usually it's just in conversation or most of the time I see a sketch in my head when I'm talking about something. I'm like, if there there's a spectrum of dyslexia, I'm like the deepest of the spectrum. So I don't really have a voice. It's just moving pictures. So usually I see something as a sketch that I think is really funny and I'll giggle to myself and I'll tell somebody next to me and they're either super imaginative and have like an idea of what I'm talking about or they think I'm crazy. (laughs) Either way, it works for you anyway. (laughs) But if they giggle at it, even just a little bit, or even if it's just like a waiter or a waitress that giggles at something... I'll write it down in notes on my phone usually or Scrivener on my phone. Mm-hmm. And then I have these um, have these giant sketch pads that are oh, huge. Sweet. And I'll just like 
write out everything I can think about that one topic in particular. And then uh, somebody told me once not to go A to B in a joke, but go to like A to D. Like the very last tag that you come up with is the tag you should go with because it's not predictable. And then just test it out at an open mic and then do it at a show or sneak it in at a show and see if it goes well. So you test it on your audience before you really put it out there. Yeah, except for the TikToks. For the longest time, the TikToks were just, uh, I didn't even realize till later on that I was throwing away premises on TikToks because they Mm. were like half cooked premises. And then if they got a good response, now I'll uh, I'll do them more. But I've been off of there for a couple months. So let's talk about TikTok for a second. <laughs> because <Okay. laughs> People can be so aggressive about it. I'm ready. <laughs> so word on the street is that you got kicked off a of TikTok by a TikTok gang. That word is true. What happened and who are these gangs exactly? Okay, so what happens is uh, there's like TikTok mafias. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be surprised about this. But what's funny is the mafias aren't the children. So that's what's so upsetting. It's the adults. <laughs> it's the adults. <laughs> so there's actually this like underground uh, life to TikTok where like it's like a hookup place for adults and I didn't realize that until I had met one TikToker I'm not gonna say her name but she told me a whole bunch of really weird stuff that she was doing on TikTok and I was like but you guys are like adults because I was making fun of like you know when somebody has like a very serious scene from like 50 shades of gray and they have a black and white filter and they add rain to it and then they lip sync over it <laughs> like they are Mr. Gray, but realistically, <laughs> they're like, I don't know, like a middle school football coach or something. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're doing. And so, like, she was all into these, like, dudes. And I was like, that's really weird. Uh, and then she was telling me, like, so it'll be their name. Like, if I was a part of one, it would be at Carolyn the Comic. And then underneath would be, like, the fam I was loyal to. Hmm. And so what happens is little see that and then the little kids start following that like mafia fam whatever and then one TikTok follower that has like millions of followers has millions of little kids that can report you and 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 And they'll have like private videos that only their fans can see Mm -hmm. and they'll put out like take this person out. Wow. Yeah, so I pissed off a handful of dudes with beards, which is funny because now I'm shacked up with a man with a beard. (laughs) (laughs) And it was really just like a harmless joke. I was going to say, do you remember what you said? Yeah, like I would never specifically, I didn't do my research. That was my problem. I open up Instagram. I see this guy with this beard and he's got ornaments in it. And I'm like... Come on. Like, really? Let's do America. Like, even though it was, like, harmless. So I then I get out TikTok. 
and I just go on some stupid rant and it wasn't like pre-written. It wasn't a pre-formed joke. It was just like some dumb rant that I thought was funny and I thought no one would see. And then I didn't realize though that it wasn't like an Instagram trend. It was like three dudes. Like three dudes specifically had made this thing <laughs> famous and they had millions and millions and millions of TikTok followers. Wow. And uh, yeah, they got me kicked off and I was kicked off for like a really long time. So the adults have these kids do their dirty work? Is that how it works? It's kind of like... Uh-huh. Wow. It's really weird. I had said that... uh. This year, the the part they were upset about that TikTok said was, uh, TikTok said was uh, violence and threatening was uh, this year for Christmas, instead of cutting down a Christmas tree, kill a hipster and put it in your living room because it's already decorated. <laughs> wow. Like, that was. <laughs> that's aggressive. I've seen a lot of memes like that. I'm surprised they cornered you. I know. Like, I would ever go up through that much work to carry a body up the stairs, honestly. (laughs) I'm not against the hipsters. I just, uh, I thought it was funny to make fun of, like, I had said, like, like, you want to look like Vikings, but they would put baby bones in their beards, not dollar store decorations. (laughs) (laughs) So you really screwed screwed it in there, (laughs) didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, but it was, they won though in the end because they said I look like Gollum and now that's all I see. (laughs) That's all you see. (laughs) Every time I look in the mirror. So it's been six months, well, probably longer now, since COVID. The West Coast's on fire. The 2020 election is in November. How do you find yourself trying to be funny like do you feel like being funny during these times and how hard is it to continue to create material that makes people laugh I'd say like the first month or two was rough like I'd isolated myself on a farm and because I was I was one of those people that was was going to be an epic nationwide pandemic mm-hmm. and got super scared when they locked up San Francisco and then flew to a farm in Arkansas, and was, like, really, really isolated, more isolated than I've been in a long time, and I was, like, tanking, and then I was with, like, my mom, who's, like, really nice, but not funny <laughs> at all, like, Just too so uncomfortable all the time, like, super A-type, super organized, and I was just, like, I can't, and I couldn't make her laugh for anything. Hmm. It was so painful, but then I had uh met um the guy that I'm dating Austin and he really helped pull me out of that a lot I think because it was a it's like you know when you meet someone where you I listened to and you were with your friend and you guys were talking about homeschool parents during COVID right and you guys were like riffing together Mm -hmm. Like, you said a joke, and then she said a joke, and then you said a joke, and you were feeding off of, like, her setups, and I hadn't had that in months, and then so once I got a little bit of taste of that feeling again, I was like, oh, I remember what this is like, and then it's like, from then on, things started to open up, especially in the South a little bit more, so it was like, I got to talk to 
waiters and baristas and all of these people. And then also remembering that, you know, the number one thing is to make yourself laugh. Like I hadn't made myself laugh in a long time. I was thinking about like, oh, I hope I get booked on this show or I hope I get booked on that show or how can I make this joke better, that joke better. When realistically it's been like, I know it sounds so terrible, but like such a blessing to be just with myself and like figuring out who I am after a divorce and a career change and now a big move to Tennessee. And it's been like, it's been so nice. Yeah, I think you're not the only one that feels that, honestly. I think I've been working from home since March and I love it. I mean, granted, it has its pros and cons like anything else, but I just don't want to go back to the office. So, yeah, I think it's definitely been a time for a lot of people to kind of reassess. Is that like the temperature of all the comedians that you know as far as the feeling of? I feel like there's a mixture between it's over. Like, I feel like a lot of people where I'm at are like, it's over because I wasn't big enough to be able to get shows when they come back. Mm -hmm. But then I also feel like there's going to be this massive, shift in comedy and where it's done and why it's done and most of that is because joe rogan and a whole bunch of other people moved to austin texas the majority of comics are talking about moving out of los angeles and i think that there's really something and like there's some validity to uh you don't have to be tied to the hollywood machine if that's not the route you want to go if you just want to be a club comic or um you know, just a showcase comic or like a comic that can put food on the table that's not trying to be a household name or get on The Tonight Show or be in a movie or have a sitcom, then you can do it from anywhere. And you don't have to be stuck right there, especially if there's another hub. I think that's like the really positive outlook. But then I know a lot of people that have quit it and now they're doing uh, things that are more recession proof in terms of uh, life like they've gone back to I know a lot of people that have like are entering schools for the medical field I'm too addicted I feel like if there was some people have things that they're just really meant to do and I've never felt anything stronger than I'm meant to do this so I'm not quitting good anytime I don't soon. think you should because you've been doing it for how long um from Open mic one until the first day of COVID was eight months, which okay. is a short time, but I made quite a bit of progress mm -hmm. in that time. I think more than um, I ever expected myself to. I told myself the first year, if you can just stand up there, get the mic off the stand and put the mic stand behind you, it's a success. Like, <laughs> that's all you have to do. <laughs> get over the fear of getting up there and manipulating the mic stand and then... <laughs> It turned into, if you could just get uh, a good five minutes, if you could just get a clean five minutes, if you could just get on your first show and like those little teeny tiny things. And then when it ended, I had a, a 15 minutes that wasn't the greatest 15 minutes in the world, but a 15 minutes I could really trust. And a decent amount of shows that were booked about like my was a year out. And I was pretty proud of that. 
uh, of course, I had made some crazy changes. I had sold my house. I took the equity. I put it in savings. I lived in my sister's basement. Mm -hmm. I got rid of my fancy car. I worked on my car today all day. Like, getting rid of a running car because I didn't want the car payment. And I'm going to have this bum comic car. Mistakes. (laughs) Worked on that thing all day. And right before the podcast, I went to get coffee and the check engine light came on. Oh, no. And I was like, well, just think of you know the dream. that monthly payment you're not making anymore <laughs> as you're drinking yeah. your Starbucks coffee. So true. So what do you miss most about doing stand-up, like in person? In person. Is it the hecklers, I, you know, the drunk in the <gasps> corner that won't shut up? I do really like that. <laughs> A lot. My favorite is so hacky. It's so hacky. But one time, a guy was like, slut, get off the stage. And I was like, dad, you finally came to one of my shows. <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, uh, so I miss that. I, you know what I really miss? I think I miss the most. It could change in five minutes. But when you first get there and you're surveying the room, And the audience and what they like to laugh at and what they don't like to laugh at and what's in the room that you're going to make fun of when you open, like to get them on your side. Those like you have to be quick because you already know your set. You already know what you're going to do. But then like those quick things just to get those laughs and get them on your side right away. And then like, are you going to call out this guy for wearing this or, or bring up the fact that another comic said this or talk to this person. I miss that like super fast pace on your feet comedic puzzle have to put together to at least get a little bit on your side. I also miss, um, I miss bombing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so I what does am, that uh, feel like when you bomb? Oh, <laughs> like, uh, you can't breathe. Like, you know in movies when a bomb goes off and there's that really, really high-pitched ringing and everything's kind of, like, confusing and, like, the room's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I really like when uh you totally forget what you're supposed to say next, but you got to, like, wing it to figure it out and hope that it's right. <laughs> or, like, when you think you lost your spot. Like, all of those mistakes I would make when things would start to go awry because I am still so new. And then if you could pull it out at the end and still like get it to go right. Huh? Yeah. (laughs) I love that so much, but like also like figuring out an audience, like one time I bombed so hard that I was like, this, this is why this is why depression is an issue with comics. Like, <laughs> I now know why so many comics have been in coat closets, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it was, uh, I was so excited. I got this like unbelievable opportunity out of the middle of nowhere to do a show in Vegas. And I was only like six months in and it was at the LA Comedy Club. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm gonna go to Vegas. My little picture is gonna be a little thing. (laughs) And then like, I ate all of the dicks. I did so bad. Like the worst anyone could ever do. I went out and what happened was I over riffed with the audience and then I got too aggressive because they were 2 a.m. Vegas drunk is not Sacramento, San Francisco, (laughs) drunk dive bar. 
that's like a different <laughs> level. That's like right. potentially cocaine and drinking and aggression. And then it's like a melting pot of people. So there's like some hillbilly from Kentucky. And then there's like some super, super, super duper liberal someone over here. And then there's like people that just got married and regret it. And <laughs> all of them together hammered. And it was $20 all you could drink. Oh, wow. And they and probably just lost, you know, their life savings gambling. So, for some weird reason, I thought you were going to say their loved one, and I was like, "Yeah, they got married." <laughs> 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 I, was just like, I thought you were going to be like, "And they probably just, you know, funerals in Vegas." It's a good thing to do. <laughs> right after the wedding. Yeah, <laughs> it's they're already in the desert. They just like. Go through the thing and it's then like just a throw bogo, in the trunk. buy one, get one kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So how hard is it to pivot during a set when the audience isn't giving you anything? And there's like crickets and people are coughing and talking amongst themselves and, you know. When that happens, again, I hadn't been, I haven't been doing it very long. But what I like to do is like when I see somebody else go up, and they're not really getting the audience's attention is address most of the people in the room in some way or another in a funny way. So they feel like they're incorporated, but not like in a crowd work way. Not like, are you guys a couple? Mm. Not like that. Like uh, one time I was at the show and there was only like eight people. And it was that situation where it was like, for the other comics that had gone up before me, it was like crickets. It was such a tough, tough room. And I just said, uh, this looks like everybody I swiped left on Tinder. <laughs> and then just said like, and then just like did like a description of everybody's Tinder profile. Right. So all of a sudden they're like, oh, she's talking about like me. Like I'm a part of the show now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that helps. But then... I mean, sometimes, oh, there's this one joke that I have, um, and you have to have, like, a super fun, goofy, imaginative side. It's about strippers, and I say that, like, why did we start throwing money at strippers? I feel like the year was 1600 AD, and there was a sweet lady named Cherry, short for Chariot, <laughs> and, like, in that joke, if they don't giggle, then I know that they can't go to imagination land. Right. And that's just the setup. And then so once that comes out of my mouth and I'm like, they can't go to imagination land, then I know all of the other specific jokes that you have to be like super loose and goofy to. One time I did that joke and a lady started crying <gasps> hysterically. And I felt like then I oh, was wow. real. Like I was a real comic because I offended someone. <laughs> it was a good moment so you took that as an accomplishment then <laughs> yeah oh you know you were talking about writing mm -hmm. and um so yeah I want your opinion on this this is like where only doing it for eight months like inhibits my growth mm -hmm. yeah so that joke is she was a sweet lady named cherry short for chariot she was busty but the wheels were falling off uh, and she was scheduled to die that day by stone. But quickly, Pebbles turned to pittance when she started taking her clothes off. <laughs> but one guy was still on the barter system. He hucked a goat. I'm not as busty as Cherry. I only got chickens. Okay, 
So that's like the basis is like, why did we start throwing money at strippers? That was the premise I wrote down. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, well, when was the first stripper? So then I have this like super loose idea that uh, there's this little tiny joke. But what I want it to be is um, when was the first stripper? Well, what if? What if there wasn't even an actual woman? What if it was just like cave paintings? And that was the club. Like cavemen just went in to a cave to look at these cave paintings. And it was like, don't touch the wall. Like, <laughs> please don't touch the ladies. And then there's like, I, I picture this like this teenage cave, like this teenage Neanderthal that has like tablets under his bed. And the parents are like, he's got the tablets <laughs> under his bed again. It's upsetting. And then like well, why do we start stoning women? And it's like they were excited about the cave paintings and started throwing, like, pebbles at the wall. But then it's like the next step is, like, what if, like, men, because we all know how men are, like, what if that's how they actually invented fire? Like, it sparked when they were trying to, like, (laughs) throw stones at boobies. They were like, oh, it's boobies. (laughs) But, like... It's all this like <laughs> fragmented stuff, right. but I don't have the experience or the know-how or the understanding of joke writing to get all of those concepts to flow through this thing without losing, losing. But you know, it's like it's the idea of it makes you giggle. So it's like there's right. something there, but then it's like ten years from now, I'm gonna be like, Kathy, I finally got it. Like, <laughs> Why well, it's definitely it's definitely layered. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah, I think it just depends. Like, what's your punchline? Don't you? Can you like start with your punchline and then go backwards? Somebody one time coined me a premise princess. They were like, "You can churn out premises like nobody's business, but punchlines are gonna forever be your weakness." <laughs> Well, I think as far as the cave joke, the Neanderthal joke, I think you're onto something for sure, because you could yeah. say that that's how they figured out how to throw money at strippers and create fire. Yeah, it's almost like you could put it together like a like a smooth. There's some way to do it smooth, and then there's also some way. To like throw in because people always say stuff is fire. So I feel like at the end you could be like, oh, that chick was fire. That <laughs> <laughs> just like makes me giggle to myself for some reason. <laughs> What's your take on comedians that swear a lot in their stand up? Do you think it's a technique they use to shock people or just to cover up their shitty jokes? When I first started, I swore a lot and I was super dirty and it was because I think that's how people get laughs out in public. They get that like shock laugh from their friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, As like a lifelong comedy fan, most of my favorite comics curse with the F word normally after 15 minutes into an hour set. They, like, don't just come right out the gate with it. Uh, But I also love clean comics. I think, like, if somebody says the F word 
or curse words, it doesn't faze me at all unless the premises are really dirty. Like if there's no innuendo and it's just like, I see female comics do that a lot. Mm -hmm. I try to stay away from that where it's just like super gutter joke premises plus a lot of cussing. Again, I don't really have the experience to say either way, except for the fact that I've been a lifelong comedy fan. And I think women specifically lose a lot with that because of how society is structured. Right. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm fine with swearing, but if it's just thrown out there just for swearing's sake, then... You know, it just kind of dilutes the joke, in my opinion. I mean, but if the swear word adds or even is part of the joke, then I'm okay with it. But don't just swear at me just to swear at me, you know? Sometimes that the inflection or however it's delivered can be, like, golden. But other times it's like, that was unnecessary. So you have a tattoo on your body that... Is I think pretty rad considering what it is. It's on. It was on Facebook. I found it. I didn't find it in some back corner of TikTok. <laughs> don't worry. And it has the uh, a roll of toilet paper <laughs> that yeah. says "Never forget." <laughs> yeah, it's it's still here. So have your tattoos like multiplied in the last you know since March since COVID started? Yeah, so I got uh, the COVID tattoo the night I decided to leave California. And I thought, why not? Right? Uh, Some tattoo artists I know put out a flash and was like, if anyone's crazy enough, I'll do this for only 20 bucks. And then I was like, are you serious? And he he was like, yeah. And I was like, I have to catch a plane in three hours. Can we make this happen? (laughs) And he was like, absolutely. Nice. And um, yeah, my tattoos have multiplied slightly. I covered up my ex-husband's name and a couple other things. Mm-hmm. That's important. So, yeah, I mean. You know, the tramp stamp, a, you got to cover that up. You nope, know, still have that. <laughs> <laughs> Going strong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never got, I never got anything on my back. The hand one in Tennessee is a little bit, people are like, oh, oh my goodness. Okay. I didn't realize the devil was upon us. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the comedy road look like for you right now in the future, near future? What's in store for, for you? I think really just diving into, like I said, my shortcomings and my shortcomings are having these really great premises, funny tags, good ideas, with no real understanding of structure. I can do timing okay when it's happening, but I am telling short jokes and I want to do longer jokes and not step on laughs and construct the joke where, you know, there's a tag, tag and punchline, like a traditional joke. Just really work on that. And then I've done a couple open mics out here. Uh, not in a long time. I did one in July and I enjoyed it. Like I enjoy, there's a lot going on out here with comedy, but also I'm kind of hiding out because there's that whole 
you know, COVID. Right, <laughs> right. I don't really want to be super social. Right. And I want to come out of this and have something different, something that I'm really proud of that's completely un- not saying that mentors is ever a bad thing, but I did have a lot of mentors in California and not trying to appease somebody else, like just doing what I like and the style of comedy I like. I adore, have you ever heard Josh Sneed? Mm-mm, no. Him and Tom Segura are my favorite writers. And when they write, granted they have years of experience, but when they write, you don't realize that they transition to another joke because they've they've uh, put their set together like a, like a symphony. Like it just all flows together and there's high points and low points and it's not too many high points and not too many low points and there's no transitions like you know how a lot of comics have hard transitions Mm -hmm. yeah there's that pause in between yeah or like a hard segue like so that was my time at starbucks but have i told you about my wife carol and you're like what (laughs) (laughs) i don't want that at all (laughs) uh just like figuring out that and how they can manipulate um your feelings for the better like just where you like i've seen a handful of comics where like i'm like this i have bell's palsy now like i can't (laughs) feel this half of my face like it's over for me and i just like i want to give that to people and Mm. i it's gonna take years but um just really concentrate on uh, tons of premises really writing them out trying them at open mics here locally and then most likely trying to get a hosting gig either at Zany's or in Huntsville or Louisville. There's all these like places around here and then just taking my time. And then eventually it'll be just like California. I'll get booked on a show then I'll get asked to host a show. And then just one thing at a time as it comes back, I think it's going to come back like bigger and better and stronger. I was super pessimistic about it, but now that, Massive comics have made so many life lifelong changes to keep the comedy community alive. Mm-hmm. I feel much more positive about it. That's good. So is Tennessee like opening up more bars and comedy stores or are they still locked down? Locked down. They never locked anything down. <laughs> They haven't opened since day one. They don't give a shit. <laughs> so <laughs> your future looks even stuff? brighter than California. <laughs> yeah. They're just opening up bars next to oxygen bars now. They're just like, <laughs> let's double dip. <laughs> if you start yeah. feeling woozy, go next door for some oxygen and come back. Yeah, exactly. If you have a fever, we have an ice bath in the back. <laughs> Like, I saw this lady the other day here in this town, and it's, like, masks required. And I think she drove in from one of those, like, other towns. And uh, her kid is, like, screaming hysterically. And she comes out of the thing. Her kid doesn't have a mask on. She doesn't have a mask on. Just yelling at the Best Buy lady. She's like, I know my rights. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) It's just a mask. Calm it down. It was crazy. And then I wondered too, like, if she is so 
this is so mean, but if she's so archaic in her way of thinking a common courtesy for other people, like what technological advancement was she going into Best Buy for? Like, <laughs> what was that lady in there to get? I don't know. I'm like, this is that's mean. Tractor supplies down the street, lady. That's <laughs> tractor <mean>. supply. <laughs> Won't find any John Deere at Best Buy. Come on now. Yeah, no, I don't know what she was in there to get. Maybe a jitterbug. Jitterbug. Who knows? Yeah, the old people phone. <laughs> jitterbug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. I've definitely enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for having me. You have a lifelong podcast fan. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. I owe Mario for bringing us together. Yes. And you can find Carolyn Martin on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Check her out on YouTube as well for her Love Horrors Quarantine episode. That's a must-see. Well, we will see you again on Women Who Sarcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast, an independent podcast. We welcome and encourage your snarky comments. Contact us at womenwhosarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at womenwhosarcast. Support us on Patreon and become part of our sarcastic community. Visit www.patreon.com backslash womenwhosarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbasciani.